This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I like this guy. He's basically saying, Paul the Apostle, he's going, I'm forgetting what is behind me. I'm forgetting the past. You know, some of us today, we've got to get over our past. He said, I'm, I'm forgetting what is behind me because I'm looking forward to what is ahead of me. He said, I realize one thing I'm very aware of is I'm not yet perfect. Anybody you'd be willing to admit, just raise your hand if you realize you're not perfect. Let me just see your hand if you're not. Okay, so we're in good company. He said, I know I'm not perfect. I know I haven't, haven't done what I'm supposed to do all the way yet. He said, but one thing I do. Come on, Zoe. We're not worried about 50 things today. We're just going to worry about one thing today. One thing I'm willing to do is I'm going to forget what is behind me because I'm convinced what is behind me pales in comparison to what's in front of me. I like, uh, you know, your rearview mirror is, is a certain size because, listen, the past behind us, listen, you, you don't need a rearview mirror. You need a big old windshield to see the future that God has. God is already in your future. God is wooing you, calling you, beckoning you into the plans and the purposes that he has for your life. Now, I want to talk this morning around this idea, and you could write down the title of this morning's message because we really start the whole theme off with this, of saying, you could write down the title, it's called, When Life Doesn't Work Out. What do you do when life doesn't work out? When, when your career doesn't pan out, or your marriage doesn't last? When, when you get a doctor's report, what, what do you do when life doesn't play fair? When, you, when your plan did not prevail? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, it's going to come on the screen. It says, many plans does a man have in his heart, but ultimately the Lord's plan will prevail. Many plans we can make on our own, but ultimately God's making a better plan. I would submit to you today that God has a far superior plan to your plan. In fact, I've learned in life that when my plan isn't working, it's usually when God is up to something in my life. In fact, when, when life doesn't work out, it's usually because God is working out something better. God is in his sovereignty, scheming and strategizing and coming together with something. Listen, when we say amen at church and everybody says together amen, what we're saying is yes to the thing that we can't see yet, yes to the thing that hasn't come to fruition yet, and by faith we receive what God has taken a hold of for us. We want to talk this morning about what do you do when, when life doesn't work out? I love one of the key lines that we've written about in this book is, is saying, stop holding on, listen to this one, stop holding on to your history at the expense of your destiny. You got to let it go and you got to let God. What is behind you can't even touch 
what is in front of you. I want to preach about the plans and the purposes that God has. You might have made a plan for your life, but I want to declare to you God's got something better. Everybody say together amen to that. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you today that your word will always prevail. Your plans and your purposes are yes and amen for those who love you and are called according to your purposes. We receive your love and your grace and your mercy. We declare to our situation and our soul that you are good and your mercy will endure. We thank you today with our heads bowed and our eyes closed that the Los Angeles Rams will win yet another football game today because you love us more than every city in the world. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, I literally felt the faith leave the room when I prayed for the Rams. I could feel opposition right away. Hey, we prayed for the Dodgers, and they made it to the World Series. We're praying for the Rams, and they're doing better. All glory to us. Wait, what? that's weird. Anyways, um, isn't it just the worst when something that should work doesn't work? Like, it should work. It's supposed to work. And this, for whatever reason, is not working. I find this in different categories of my life, and it brings frustration. Like, for example, you ever have Wi-Fi signal on your phone, but you can't connect to the Wi-Fi? Am I preaching to anybody's pain this morning? Somebody's in the back. So, some millennials, like, eh, just like, just melt it down. Yeah, that was for me. Like, it's the worst. It's the worst when my remote control, I'm, I've got fresh Amazon batteries in this thing, and it should flip the channel, or it should connect to the sound bar, and for some reason, I can't get my remote control to work. It's the worst when something that's supposed to work doesn't work. Like, you ever be at a restaurant, or you ever be at the grocery store, and you go to put in your credit card, and you go to, like, run it, and you have to find yourself explaining to another human that you for sure have sufficient funds, something's just wrong with the credit card. It's not your irresponsible, it's their process that's broken. I want to talk this morning, what do you do when life is supposed to work and it's not working? Life is supposed to go, you, you, my kids were supposed to be this way, my, my marriage was supposed to go this way, my career was supposed to, and it's not working. What do you do? A lot of times what happens is when we face these obstacles and oppositions, God's at work. It's not that God's not at work, it's that we're retreating. We're in, in, in depression. We're, 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 we're crying over what just happened, and God's trying to work, but we're having a hard time moving past the disappointment. In fact, write down point number one. We have to learn how to move past disappointments, delays, and destructive thinking. This is all of life. All of life is learning how to get better from failure, learning how to overcome your obstacle. This is all of, this is what's Paul saying. I'm forgetting what is behind because I'm pressing. I'm straining towards what is ahead. I'm moving past. Listen, it, let's just acknowledge what it is. It is disappointment that somebody had a bad doctor's report. It is disappointing that you have to face this in a relationship. Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've gone through something. Welcome to humanity. Welcome to a fallen planet. All of us have faced this, but we have to learn how to move past disappointments and delays. You know, some of us have faced things that have put you back two years, five years, a decade, because we've been so delayed, we have mold over the delay more than the plans of God. So we have to learn how to move past disappointments, delays, and then what ends up happening is this is the worst part. We land at destructive thinking. 
where our mind goes into the gutter, where our mind starts to wander into the worst possible situations. I read a book years ago from Joyce Meyer. She wrote a book called The Mind is a Battlefield. The enemy, Satan, and God are trying to fight for one area of your life. Both are trying to fight for your mind. In fact, I would argue that the distance between heaven and hell is just between your ears. That some of us, you face such torment and face such destructive thinking because you let the enemy run roughshod all over your mind. But I believe that God can give you a spirit of disciplined thinking and you can literally meditate and you can recall the plans and the purposes of God. This is Bible. God says, for we have not been given a spirit of, of fear, but a spirit of what? Power, love. I love the last one, sound mind. You know, sound mind in the Greek, it literally means disciplined thinking. God has given you the ability to discipline your thoughts and make them, capture them and make them obedient to God. In fact, watch here, 2 Corinthians is going to come on the screens and watch how Paul the apostle, he said this about our thought life. It says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Our thoughts start to wander and we start thinking about this person inappropriately and anger and offense and unforgiveness. And we say, no, I'm going to capture that thought and I'm going to make it obedient to the mind of Christ. Some of our minds just that have, we, we give our mind the ability to go anywhere and touch anything and just it wanders. And God said, no, I'll actually give you the mind of the Lord so you can move past your disappointments. You can move beyond your delays and you don't have to live a life of destructive thinking. I read a book years ago called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. That's a great book. What to say when you talk to yourself. And many of us, we don't know how to self-talk, and so we self-sabotage. But I believe that you can actually declare God's thoughts, God's promises, God's words. Come on, God's promises over your life. Anybody thankful today that we can actually move beyond disappointments, delays, and destructive thinking? This is Job. Job has the hashtag worst day ever. You ever had a bad day? This Job beats you ten times. And Job says something. His wife comes along, and she is so in the destructive thinking. Watch what Job's wife says versus what Job says. Job chapter 2, it says this. It says, then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? You, you know what we're going to do? We, Job, let's curse God and die. Watch what he says. But he said to her, you speak as one of those foolish women speaks. Guys, I want to encourage you. Do not say this to your spouse. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lip, lips. Do you notice the difference between what Job is saying? Job's saying, woman, we're not going to let our family go there. We're not going to let our mind go there. We're not even going to entertain those thoughts. We're not even going to just mull and think. And, and you know what? Negativity breeds more negativity. He said, we're not going there. He said, you know what? We've accepted good from God. Is it okay that we just accept a little bit of adversity? Maybe, you know, in the end, Job got twice as much in the end. Job got twice because God was working something better in the midst of his pain. Yeah, how do you move on past disappointment and delays and destructive thinking? Well, I think so, mu so much of it is just having the ability to go, you know, I might have made a mistake, but I'm not a mistake. I might have had some failure, but I'm not a failure. I will not be defined by what just happened. You know, so many of us were afraid of failure, but even more what you're afraid of failure, you're afraid of what's attached to failure, the reputation of failure. 
I want to tell you, if you failed, you're in good company. You're in the company that God, he can use our shortcomings. He can use our inadequacies and he can use it for his glory because in the end he gets all the glory and we don't. I'm just going to show you a list, a list of people that God used in the Bible and watch all of their failures and their issues. Put it up on the screen. Watch this. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah, she was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy, they were too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. That will never happen at Zoe Church. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. Come on, church. Are you grateful that you're in good company? Just because you made a mistake, that doesn't mean God can't use you. Come on, somebody thank the Lord today. He's looking beyond your failure. In fact, write that down, number two. Jesus sees beyond our failure. This is so contrary to us. You and I, we see the immediate. We see what's in front of us. In fact, we govern our whole life off what we see and perceive. So our perception and our eyesight, that's how we navigate all of our decisions. But watch the difference between us and God. God does not look and meditate on your immediate and what's going on. God sees far into your future. God's already been into your future. So God, he woos you. He looks beyond your failure. Jesus did this time and time again. Woman at the well, he didn't look at where she was. He looked at where she was going. Woman caught in adultery, no, he, he knew she might have made a mistake that day, but he had grace to cover her sin and free her from that addiction. Come on, man with the withered hand, he knew he had a problem there, but he knew he could set him free and give him a God-given destiny. Come on, time and time again, from Zacchaeus to blind Bartimaeus to legion with demons, come on, to Mary Magdalene, Jesus always looks beyond failure are you thankful today he's looking past our problems he's looking beyond our issues come on if you got an issue welcome to the club God says I, I, I don't even look at it in fact in the new covenant when God makes a new covenant in the new covenant in the new promise in the new covenant the old covenant God remembered every sin that you made he would count your sins against you in the new covenant when we're in Jesus and under grace he says I forget all of your sins watch this Hebrews in chapter 10 it's going to come on a screen watch what he says this is the new covenant I will make with them after that time says the Lord I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds and watch what he does then he said their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. What are you meditating on that God forgot about so long ago? What are you mulling over and rehearsing in your mind that God has forgotten about so many years ago? So many of us, we just keep rehearsing that night, keep rehearsing that issue, keep rehearsing that season of life. God said, I, I don't even remember that time. God has spiritual amnesia. Can't even remember those issues. I've long since moved beyond. Because God, he, he does this. God takes your failure and he exchanges your failure and gives you his greatness. So God says, you got an issue? You got a problem? That's all right. Give it to me and I'll take your issue and I'll trade you for my greatness. This is Isaiah 61. Watch what God says here in the Bible. Isaiah 61. He says this. He says, to comfort all those who mourn, 
to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. God said, give, give, give me that. What do, you, what do you got, ashes? I'll give you beauty for exchange. What do you got, mourning? I'll give you the oil of joy in exchange. What do you got, a spirit of heaviness? Don't worry, give me your spirit of heaviness. I'll give you a garment of praise. Come on, anybody thankful today? We can bring our failures to Jesus. We can bring our issues to Christ, and he'll exchange our weakness, and he'll give us his strength. Come on, there's more people than that. Let's put our hands together, and let's thank Jesus. Come on, he sees beyond our failure. You know what I love about God? I believe this. In fact, write, write this down, point number three. We have to... We have to watch life this, is this way. We have to, it's never, it's always too early to quit, and it's never too late to start. And life in Jesus is this way. Life, when you're in Jesus, we live by this motto. It's too early to quit, and I'm convinced it's never too late to start. I want to preach to somebody that's getting ready to start something. We live in Los Angeles. On Monday morning, all of our city is starting a new diet every week. It's Monday morning. I'm starting my new diet. So, so we're waiting to start. Listen, it's never too late to start. Come on, what are you, what are you about to start in your life? Let, let, start serving at church. What are, you, what are you about to start? Start, start? start tithing, giving to God your finance. What are you about to start? Start making a vow. God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to live upright. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to be a better. It's never too late to start. The enemy wants to convince you, oh, your best days are behind you. you you're washed up. You missed your window of opportunity. No, no, no. The Bible says in, in Lamentations 3.23, because of the steadfast love of the Lord, we are not consumed by his wrath. His mercies are new every morning. So every, new, every morning, there's new opportunity. There's new chance. It's a new day. That's why the Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Why? Because I got a new chance, a new start, a new beginning. Come on, in God, there's always a new season. There's a season to build up and there's a season to tear down because we serve a God of seasons. Somebody make some noise this morning if you're grateful. Come on, it's never too late to start. Come on, start that dream. Start that business. Start that God idea. Start writing that song. Start writing that book. Come on, somebody, I feel faith in this place. Somebody ought to start doing the thing that God has put in your heart. That's not the devil. That's Jesus talking. It's never too late to start. And you know what? I believe with all my heart. It's always too early to quit. If you don't quit, you'll win. Anybody could throw in the towel. I wonder how many of us, we've missed out on the goodness of God or maybe an opportunity God had for us. It's because we quit right before the breakthrough was going to take place. Threw in the towel on a relationship, on a dream. Threw in the towel on something God was about to do. It's, all, it's too early to quit. Anybody can quit. We got we to break through. I heard this a long time ago. We got to break through our quitting points. All of us feel like quitting. We feel like stopping. We feel like, oh, I'm wasting my time. No, 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 no. It's too early to quit. Just keep on going. It's like a running back in the NFL or college football. And it says when, when they get hit, they're trained. When someone starts to grab at their legs, what are they trained to do? Keep those legs moving because you never know. You could break through that tackle, break through that opposition, and you can, you can score a touchdown. Come on. Some of us, we just got to keep our legs moving, keep our faith going. I've got faith to move forward into my future. I remember years ago, this month, November, it, it, it celebrates uh, uh, years ago, uh, maybe five, six years ago, Julie and I, we flew over to New York City because Julia ran the New York City Marathon. 
Come on, make some noise for Pastor Julia. She ran the New York City Marathon. I remember she came to me. She was like, babe, uh, I want to run the New York City Marathon. I was like, you, not we, right? She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to run. So we flew over to New York City, and I'll never forget, uh, we, we met up throughout the race. I would meet up with her. You know, good husband. I got Gatorade. You know, I'm ready to serve her, encourage her. So we'd meet up throughout. Like mile seven, we met up. Mile 14, we met up. All throughout the race. And I remember every time we met up, Julia had a different emotion. Like the first time we met up, mile seven, she was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is, like, easy. Like, she's just pumped. Next time we met up, she's like, I hate you. I want to kill you. Why are you not running with me? Like, she's just different emotion every time. But I'll never forget when she finished the New York City Marathon. It ends in Central Park. There we were in Central Park. Thousands of people finished the race. And they give every uh, person that finishes, like, the same bib, like, the same little, like, warmth blanket. So everybody looks the same. So I'm on my phone trying to find her. And she's trying to find me on the streets in Central Park. And finally I spot my wife. And I, I, I hang up the phone. I start running towards her. I'm so excited. I'm running towards her. She's not running towards me. <laughs> She's done running for the day. So I, I run up to her. I grab her. I throw my arms around her. And I start swinging her. And I'm crying. And she's crying. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I almost said, we did it. <laughs> but I didn't. I was like, you did it. <laughs> but I just, I, I just, I, what an accomplishment. I, I don't know about you. I want to hear those words when I finish my life. Well done. Thy good and thy faithful servant, with whom I am well pleased. You fought the good fight, and you finished the race. Come on, church. It's too early to throw in the towel. Come on, it's never too late to start. Come on, make some noise today if you're grateful. Come on, God looks beyond your failure. He's got a plan for your life. Here's what I sense God's doing. In fact, write down the last thought for today. Write down the last point, number four. He's calling out greatness. He's coming through our church, and he's calling people out. Most of us think that if Jesus stood in front of us, he would tell you how bad you are, how disappointed he is. He would point out your failures. He would make you feel terrible. No, that's a judgment, God. You're under grace now. You're under the blood of Jesus now. When God looks at you, he doesn't even see you. He sees his son. When God gets a hold of you, he calls out greatness. He says, I love you. I've got a plan for you. I've got a future. I've got a hope. I've got a calling. I've got so much dream. I've got so much potential. You're the apple of my eye. You're the sparrow I've been watching. I've been taking care of you. Somebody thank the Lord today. He's calling out greatness. It's not calling out sin. It's not calling out failure. You do enough of that in your own life. He's calling out greatness. This is what Jesus does. He sees where you're at, but he sees beyond it and into your future. I love this story, John chapter 1. John chapter 1, Jesus is coming on the scene, 30 years old. John the Baptist sees him for the first time and he trips out. He's like, oh. there he is. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He just starts losing his mind. There's a guy named Andrew that's watching this whole thing go down. He sees Jesus. He sees John's reaction. He's like, oh my gosh. He goes back home. He tells his brother Simon. He's like, Simon, you got to come to Zoe Church, 11 o'clock service. He's like, Jesus is here, man. We found the Messiah. He goes home and he grabs his brother, Simon. Simon comes to the next week's 11 a.m. And watch what Jesus says as it comes on the screen. It says, And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had to say and who had followed Jesus. It says the first thing Andrew did, the first thing Andrew did, 
Can I just encourage somebody today? The first thing we ought to do is go tell somebody about a God that's rescued us and redeemed us and forgiven us of our sin. The first thing Andrew did. Andrew didn't wait till he knew some scriptures and he didn't wait till he tied on push pay and he didn't wait till he was on the dream team. The first thing he did was tell a coworker and a family member and a friend, there's a God that can change our life. The first thing he did is he goes and he, and he, and he, and he tells his brother Simon, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus and Jesus looked at him and he said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. This is Jesus' first time seeing Peter and he just prophesies over his life. Calls out greatness. His, like, you know how they say you never get a second chance to make a first impression? Jesus' first impression when he sees Simon is basically saying, I'm going to build church with you. There's a call on your life. I've got greatness in store for you. You might be fishing for fish right now, but you just give me some time. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I've got plans for you, buddy. Come on, I believe in our church. God is calling out greatness. There's greatness on your family. There's greatness on your children. And there's greatness on your life. Come on, anybody receive the word of the Lord. When life doesn't work out, don't you worry. God's working something greater. God's working something better. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.